Welcome to or welcome back to In Progress. I'm Abby. And I'm Nina. And on this week's episode of In Progress, we will be talking about mental health. There is a lot to go over for mental health, so this will definitely be the first episode of many where we're talking about these types of topics. But mental health is also a really serious conversation. If you or someone you know is struggling with your mental health, everyone deserves to get the help that they need for it. Mm-hmm. We'd like to provide just a little trigger warning. We will be talking about anxiety, depression, OCD, and eating disorders. Just know that you and your loved ones deserve the help that you need, and our suicide hotline is 988 if you live in the United States, so just a number to be aware of in case you need it. Yeah, if you need it, don't be afraid to use it. Everyone should get the help that they need, and we just wanted to let you guys know that this conversation is serious, um, and we're only really talking about our experiences with it. Yours may be different, and that doesn't mean that your thoughts and feelings aren't valid. Um, these are just ours, and we're not mental health professionals. We are just two, I almost said teens. I am. I am not. <laughs> we're just two girls living life, and mental health is a big part of our lives. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about it and today. Like Nina said, your mental health experience might be different than ours, but ours are different from each other as well. So you're going to be getting both of our perspectives. And, you know, mental health is something that's in progress, I think, for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, whether, I don't want to say if you're struggling or not, because... Mm-hmm. I do want to also say, um, I know a lot of people, like, they hear mental health and they're like, oh, this is going to be, like, a Debbie Downer episode. It's not. Yeah, it's going to be, we're going to talk about tough stuff, but... We're not just going to talk about tough stuff and not talk about how we're trying to work through it. And also, the conversation is important. So, I would think you should listen. (laughs) I mean, if we don't shine light on these tough situations, then nobody's going to talk about them. And, like, there's reasons why we have things like that hotline to lessen the stigma. Yeah. Also, um, on a less serious note... (laughs) Last week, we gave an update as to our lives and, like, what was going on, and I was talking about how excited I was that I got four fish. This might still be serious. No, it is serious. My fish died. Every single one of them. All four. Gone. I got a new one. So, stay tuned for next week's episode to see if my fish is still alive. Oh, yeah. That's a good, like... Yeah, you gotta come back. Um... Anyways, um, <laughs> something else that's new with us is we just rearranged our whole dorm room. Yeah, really exciting. So if you listened to our college episode, you'll know that we share a room together. Also, another exciting thing that could be oh. not exciting is Abby and I today are recording in the same room, which we don't normally do. And when yes. we did, that's when we had a bunch of technical difficulties. What episode was that? Love Life? Yeah. Yeah, that one was posted late. So hopefully this one gets posted on Sunday. If not... But also, up. <laughs> you guys need to envision that usually we're in two separate rooms and we can see each other on our computer screens, but we're not like right sitting face to face. We're six inches from each other. We faces. are. We could kiss right now. <laughs> we're not going to. That was not we a kiss. Did. No, we didn't. <laughs> Don't listen to her. But we're talking about serious things and we will be staring into each other's souls. Yes. So um, enjoy that. Yeah. On a less serious note, hopefully I get a tattoo tomorrow that we have some fun things planned for tomorrow. So if. I do. Maybe it'll be on the Instagram story. Because we haven't posted there in a while. I highly doubt she's going to get a tattoo tomorrow, but... I really hope so. Follow us at in.progress.pod. All right, let's begin. Because we're already (laughs) a couple minutes in. Um, So, mental health is a hard topic to, like, 
mental health. There are so many things. So we thought that we could kind of start with our backgrounds as to like, well, I kind of thought of this as like thoughts and feelings towards the idea of mental health, understanding um, the difference between like, oh, I don't know how to say what I'm thinking. Like, there's a difference between having fear and having anxiety. There's a difference between being sad and having depression. So, um, kind of like our, like look. how we differentiate that, and like, and when we first like okay. thought about it, yeah. Before we get into like what we're struggling with or have struggled with, yeah. Um, I will start. This is if you listen to our first episode of the podcast. I'm just gonna. Keep knocking them out until I get, hey, listen to every single episode of this podcast. <laughs> um, if you listen to the first episode of our podcast, we played We're Not Really Strangers, and you would have learned that, okay, Nina's yawning right now. It's pretty late. No, I'm yawning. <laughs> <laughs> um, you'll know that I am a tough cookie when it comes to- Cookie? cookie. You said that so cute. <laughs> when it comes to sharing a lot of things, and this is definitely one of them. Um, basically without, oh, it's 945. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's, that's perfect. That's my alarm to take my antidepressants. <laughs> that's perfect. That's really funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, it's back to serious. Mess. Tough cookie. I am a tough cookie. Fortune cookie. You have a hard shell to crack. I do. Nina just cracked <laughs> my shell. Um, so basically I just dealt with a lot of childhood trauma when I was a kid, I didn't grow up in the most comfortable of homes. My parents fought a lot. Um, wow, my heart is racing. Because there's something I want to say, but I don't know if I should put it on the internet. Do you want me to pause this and restart? We are capable of doing no, that. No, it's okay. Um, I, so, this is kind of jumping ahead, but like my sophomore or junior year of high school, because I honestly don't remember, because, you know... We're going to probably talk about it, but brain blocks trauma. Do you know what I'm about to say? No. You're looking at me so crazy. Um, <laughs> to give you, like, a little bit of insight on my family, that's when oh. CPS came into my life. Yeah. I think that will be probably as much as I share on yeah, that's fair. that, just because it's not just my story yep. to share. Mm-hmm. There's more people than just that involved. Um, so that's kind of where a lot of my anxiety stemmed from. It's... Mm-hmm. I know anxiety is, like, not such a tangible thing, mm-hmm. but anxiety can come from so many different things, and that's definitely where mine comes from. Can I ask you a question? Of course. So, when did you first, like... Well, actually, no. I'll say my piece, and then I'll ask you. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, there's a lot that I have to talk about and I'm going to because we're going to go through like categories it sounds bad but like we're going to talk about anxiety we're going to talk about depression we're going to talk about OCD we're going to talk about eating disorders we're going to go through some of those things so I'll get there when I get there but um my background so um my dad struggles with some mental health things hey dad he's probably listening um so I think a lot of the things that I have experienced are like biological like I think that's kind of how my brain got wired and so sometimes I have to think about how to rewire things and all that but um in elementary school is when I started experiencing anxiety and um 
which I'll talk about, but I don't think it was until like, it was happening in elementary school. And then probably like in the end of fifth grade, beginning of sixth grade is when my, me and my family and my doctors realized that like the physical things that were happening in my body were actually anxiety reactions and I was dealing with anxiety. And so that was when I had to like learn, um, what mental health was and that like, it wasn't just about being sad or just about being afraid. It was actually, um, like taking over my life. And so I had to learn about that and what to do to cope with that and that kind of stuff. So I would say for me, elementary school was when I began dealing with this and I'm 20. So there's that. That's what I was going to ask you is like, when did you like, was there a moment? Like I can remember sitting with my doctor and then being like, Oh, because it was like a physical thing for me. Like, Mm -hmm. was there a moment when you were like, I, I, this is anxiety or something like that. Um, so I remember, I said my parents fought a lot. I remember being five and my parents arguing in the kitchen and I'm a fixer. Probably when we get further into this episode, you'll notice that I like to fix things. Did, was that your stomach? Yep. Oh. <laughs> I tooted. <laughs> Let's keep going. Guys, I... I don't know. I'm not feeling the best right now. My stomach is hurting and my anxiety is about my stomach hurting. Yeah. And we're talking about anxiety. So yeah. this might be a rough one, but we'll get through LOL. it. <laughs> um, live, laugh, love. So I remember being like so scared that the argument wouldn't be done after the argument was done, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So then I went into the kitchen and I crossed my arms and closed my eyes and was like, the the little kid is there. Like, you can't fight in front of the little kid. Mm -hmm. And let's just say that logic doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so funny. We'll We'll get to that. (laughs) We'll talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think around five or seven, I would say that. Which is really young. That is really young. But um, going back to, like, doctors and having things that are, like, physical, Nina, is... No, we'll talk about that, too. (laughs) You make me laugh. I'm experiencing anxious reactions right now to talking about anxiety. Mm -hmm. And that happens. Um, But I remember there was a time in my life where I, like, it was really hard to breathe. And my doctor... I've switched doctors since then, but she was like, there's literally nothing wrong. Like, you're fine. And I was like, no, there is something wrong. So, like, had them do chest x-rays. Nothing was wrong. I, like, kept wanting to find something wrong. I put myself in a lot of different boxes, which we'll talk about. But I always put myself into a box of something being wrong. (laughs) He's yawning, and it's making me yawn. Guys, this is a rough episode. (laughs) Um, But I think... I kept arguing with the doctor to be like, there is something wrong with me. And then she sent me to therapy and I was like, oh, LOL. Like, there's nothing wrong with you if you have... Nina, stop. (laughs) You just said... She sent me to therapy and I was like, oh, LOL. (laughs) We're going to talk about coping later, guys. And a way that a lot of people cope is self-deprecating humor. And it's not good. But we're going to talk about it. Anyways. Then I got sent to therapy and we'll talk about that later. But yeah. I was going to say cute. That's still joking about. <laughs> cute. Okay. Woo. Um, 
this is making me anxious, which is really funny because I really love talking about mental health. I think it's just because I'm already kind of anxious, so, but it's okay. We'll get through it, hopefully. Yep. <laughs> In progress. <laughs> Anyways, um, okay. Well, we're going to start with anxiety, mm-hmm. which is good because, like, I'm shaking in my boots. Do you want me to start? Yeah, sure, because I don't really know what I'm going to say. <laughs> cool. Um, okay. I have anxiety. <laughs> um, Hi, Nina. <laughs> so, in element... Wow, this is hard to talk about when I don't feel good, but this is like a good exercise for me. I have emetophobia. Emetophobia is the fear of throw up. Um, and it exhibits itself in if I feel sick, I'm anxious. If other people say that they feel sick or I think that they look sick or I hear someone coughing and think that they're going to sound sick, um, that really freaks me out. And it's not, so usually when I tell people this, because there are moments where I tell people this because I am experiencing symptoms of this and I need to explain why I feel the way I do. A lot of people say, well, nobody likes to throw up. Nobody likes to throw up. Nobody likes to see the throw up. Nobody likes to smell it, touch it, hear it, taste it. Oh. <laughs> Any of those things. Um, and I'm like, well, yeah, thanks. You know, it's a lot more than that. So in elementary school, I'm going to try to like sum this up. Please do not play Candy Crush <laughs> while we are podcasting. <laughs> Phone jail. She's trying to play Candy Crush right now while I'm talking. It's an addiction. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <sighs> That's probably bad. Yeah, I take it back. Please don't cancel me. I'm going to cancel you. Okay, anyway, so... Well, that's going to be loud. Um. Okay, so in elementary school, I was in show choir. And <laughs> um, we would, like, go places and perform and stuff. And a lot of times before a performance, I would freak out and... S- think I was going to throw up and often actually throw up and I would have to not go and then I would be fine and it, and that was that and this started in fifth grade um and I we thought something was wrong with me I got tested for a bunch of things allergies things and nothing was changing this was happening all the time I wouldn't like I would just feel sick every day before school and then I would often get sick and it was a whole thing And so then we went to my doctor and um, we talked about it and we came to the conclusion that it it was an anxiety reaction. I was (laughs) happy. I was scared of throwing up and I would work myself into throwing up because I was scared of it. Like when you're anxious, a lot of people have it when they're anxious, then their stomach starts hurting. But for me, I was anxious about my stomach hurting. So I would get anxious. My stomach would hurt. It would be a circle and I would make myself sick. Um, so this happened in elementary school and then it became a thing that I knew that I had this and I knew that it was anxiety. It was a phobia, but anxiety. Um, and, it continued on and it came in waves and it would get really bad. Um, like in high school, I would basically kick and scream and tell my parents I wasn't going to get out of the car as a upper teenager, like not an elementary schooler anymore. I was still feeling this way. And so that's the emetophobia um, portion of my anxiety. And then also that was like always what I focused on, like in therapy and stuff, which we're going to talk about therapy later, but 
that was always something I focused on. And when that got better, my general anxiety got worse. Like I would get anxious about things that weren't related to throw up, which was kind of freaky for me because that had never happened. So now I'm in a place where I have anxiety. I also have a metaphobia. Sometimes they go hand in hand. Sometimes they're separate and I just get anxious um, for basically no reason. So yeah, that's like my little, not so little, um, talk about anxiety. Your turn. Um, for me, I think it all stems from like feeling unstable. Mm -hmm. We'll say that. Um, I can't really like, did you look at your phone screen? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did that on purpose. Okay. (laughs) She just zoomed in on ED. No, I zoomed in on OCD. Oh, we have it, a list of, like, what we're going to talk about. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I get really distracted if you couldn't tell. Can I put my knee here? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Nina. Okay, keep going. Um, this is funny because it has to be a little bit lighthearted. Yeah. Um, I think, for me, my I didn't realize it was anxiety, and I didn't realize I had a, like, fixing and protecting thing. I felt like I needed to protect myself and my family members and you know Nina knows the whole spiel but I'm not gonna share that with the internet um but then it got to about sixth or seventh grade and I noticed it getting really bad like I remember the day before the well actually no in sixth grade I rode the bus home three times I rode the bus home for the first three days of school and then people were picking on me and I was just over it and my mom was like no you're gonna keep riding the bus like I am not gonna drive you to school and that was like a oh my gosh kind of thing or I remember when I had my first kiss with a boy and I came back home crying never wore those clothes again like freaking out and I don't like sometimes when I get anxious my arms go numb And I remember that happening and that was fourth grade and I couldn't watch that movie again. I could not eat those foods again because I didn't want to feel that way again. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really good explanation of how my anxiety resided in me as a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, Or like, you're not supposed to chew gum at our elementary schools and I was chewing gum and then I was like, so... You've been doing that since elementary school? Chewing gum? (laughs) No. Oh, it wasn't because you're anxious? No, no, no. That's a coping strategy. (laughs) No, I, I was like, wow. No, <laughs> no, I was just chewing gum. And then I actually it, like fell down my shirt and it was like a hot pink shirt. And I was like so scared that my mom was going to find out and like be mad at me for breaking a rule. So then I like just threw that shirt away. I was in fourth grade. Interesting. I know that's like not an anxiety thing. No, but it was. Yeah. Um, But then in seventh grade, I was like, I am not going to school. That was, like, a really big thing. So I would think myself into being sick, and that would happen two weeks at a time. And I missed so much school to the point where I got letters sent home, and they were like, she needs to go to school, or this, this, and this will happen. And it was like, CPS is going to come over, and little did they know. They would, just not for that. Um, And I think... Especially with my exposure to what was going on in the news. And we live in America. I don't want to get into the guns talk, 
but school shootings and shootings in general mm-hmm. were really scary um, to process, I think. It wasn't a, like, this could happen, but X, Y, and Z is going to make it not happen. It was, this is going to happen to the point where I did not leave my house. I thought that if I left the hallway at my house, I would die. Like, mm-hmm. wouldn't go to the grocery store. If I went to the grocery store, I would have a breakdown. Um, so that was really hard. And I don't really communicate with my parents about my mental health. So it was hard, especially to navigate mental health that young, not mm-hmm. knowing that it was anxiety and depression was intertwined in that. I just haven't touched on that part yet. Because mm-hmm. we'll talk about depression next. But under not understanding that that's what was going on in my brain and my body, like not being able to breathe, my arms going numb, mm-hmm. um, thinking myself into being sick at that young of an age and not getting the help that I deserved until like I'm 19 and just now kicking myself in the butt to go to therapy, you know? Yeah. But I think that's kind of my background with it. It's not like set so much into a phobia. Mm-hmm. I think I have some emetophobic tendencies, but I wouldn't say that I have emetophobia. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's where the anxiety category of my mental health lies. Yeah. I also think it's interesting cause like when I'm like, okay, I realized mental health was a thing in fifth grade. Like that's when I realized it. Um, I only realized that through the experience of talking to my parents and my doctor. Um, like I, I'm sitting in the room with my doctor right now. Like I can see that experience. And I think like for me, it was really helpful that my parents, um, were like open to talk to me about it. And my parents also like had different types of love for me in the situations where I was experiencing anxiety. Like my, um, well, it's kind of like changed over time, but like they would be there for me to give me the tough love to be like, no, you are going into school. You do not have an option because if they kept taking me home, like my anxiety was just being verified. Like it, I wasn't, I I needed to be put in the scary situations and my parents knew that, but they also knew when to like, you know, give me a little cuddle because I needed that too. I think going off of that, like I would not go to school and I, I never said, I think I'm going to die at school today. Mm -hmm. It was, I do not feel good. And the I don't feel good came from I am going to die at school today. Mm -hmm. Which is really interesting because my I don't feel good came from I'm going to throw up, which means death. Yeah. Like to me, it was throwing up is the worst situation. I didn't even really comprehend that someone could come into the school and kill me. Like that's not something... I also remember like my first experience with hearing something bad on the news and it was like a school bus got in a crash or something. And I was like, whoa, like mom, something really bad happened today. And my mom was like, oh, like you don't understand that these things actually happen Mm -hmm. every day. Like it was on like the today show. Like I, I didn't understand that. So that's really interesting. I think like we just kept the news playing in our house and it got to the point where I was like, I cannot be in the living room. So I Mm -hmm locked myself in my room and then that turned into I cannot even leave this hallway yeah which isn't great but we got Um, through it some of like anxiety so like physical symptoms I think we should like you said your arms get numb yeah um for me I'm nauseous Mm -hmm. yeah I mean you 
are too. Yeah. A lot I'd, of the time. Yeah. Um, panic attacks are something that both of us have. Um, yeah. I started having panic attacks. Um, I would say in elementary school, I didn't know what they were, but that was happening. Also, for my emetophobia, I had something in elementary school called cyclical vomiting mm-hmm. syndrome where I would like throw up. It was like every half an hour, like. I was wondering for, when you were going to bring that up. Yeah, for hours at a time. And it would happen all the time. And that was not, like, connected to my anxiety. I was just sick. But, um, so then that was in, like, lower elementary school. Then in upper elementary school, the throw-up anxiety started happening. And I, like, we're going to talk about therapy later. But in therapy, I kind of forgot to mention that that was a thing in my life until, like, a year into therapy. And she was like, Nia, um you know, that's kind of important. Like that could play a role in this. And I was like, oh, well, like in my brain, I didn't connect those two things. Mm -hmm. So that's a thing. But so I would say like my body feeling sick, um, panic attacks. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it feels like I'm gonna like pass out. And I think like I'm gonna die. That's usually like before a panic attack. For me. And I, I, I get fidgety. I can't, I have to move. Yeah. I, well, I was going to say my dermatillomania, but that kind of is in the OCD category. So we'll get to that. Um, like Nina said, panic attacks. Um, for me, when I have a panic attack, Nina knows it. <laughs> I, like, everything shuts down. If you've ever had a panic attack, you'll probably know what I mean by, like, the world feels like it's ending. Yeah, um, that's how it is for me, too. And I... Like nausea, dizziness, mm-hmm. stomach ache. That used to be a really big one. It hasn't been in a really long time. Um, For me, it feels like I can't like see straight. Not mm-hmm. even like I'm just dizzy, but I'm like, like, yeah, like my eyes aren't working. Yeah. For me, like everything in my brain, it there's so much, but there's nothing. Like when you ask me what's wrong when I'm like finally coherent enough to like speak to you, um... And I say, I don't know. Like, there's so much in there that I could say that I'm saying nothing at all. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think that's another one. We can get into depression now if you want. You're zooming in on it on your phone. I'm just having fun. Um, okay. Would you like me to start? Yeah. Because um, I have to think. Oh, another thing to add to anxiety. You said that you remember your first panic attack being how old? Probably, like, fifth grade. Yeah. I would say, like, I didn't realize that they were panic attacks, but I remember, like, I get anxiety hives, too. That's another one. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember getting those at, like, six years old. Yeah. Um, Which is, like, what? Barely first grade. Yeah. Kindergarten. Um, and I remember my parents being, like, your whole face is red. Your body is red. You, you need to breathe. And it's, like, people just thought I was crying. yeah that's the thing too like I feel like people who don't know a panic attack Mm -hmm. like it just it can it's like violent crying also and they might not understand that inside it feels like you're dying which maybe for some people it doesn't but Abby and I have the kind of same type of experience I'm just now this is like a therapy oh my gosh moment I need to talk to my therapist about this um I think because I was so young when experiencing my first couple panic attacks People may have thought I was just throwing a fit. Yeah. So that's... Yeah, I should... I should write that down. Anyways, depression. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my 
gosh. <laughs> um, I would say my first. Oh my god, I'm not just sad. <laughs> Is probably around seventh grade too, and there's there's a trend with seventh grade in my life. The summer between seventh and eighth grade. Um, do you remember MadCon, Nina? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, I read fanfics on Wattpad. Oh my, you do not need to admit that. <laughs> <laughs> um, who were the brothers that lived in Arizona? I don't know, but I know exactly what you're talking about. You've told me this before. Yes. I don't know. I, the one, the older one used to be my lock screen. Yeah, you told me that. <laughs> That's so embarrassing. I know. Um, Probably can't say their names. No. They Hunter Roland. Uh, oh, we'll say her name. <laughs> That's his name. Um, they would go live on You Now. Do you remember You Now? I do remember You Now, but I didn't experience this. Oh. Can you Google what time it is in Arizona right now? Because yeah, you guys are going to hear typing, though. You might. I was a wee little lad. In... It's two hours earlier. Okay. That's not as bad as I thought it was. Um, so they would go live probably like 1130 at night. Maybe. So me, in my bedroom, I have my blog because I, I put my whole life into, I want to be an influencer um, because I felt, this is another trend with me. I think I make everything surface level look pristine and then on the inside, I'm falling apart. Um, so I, <laughs> I'm just laughing at your faces. <laughs> This is how my therapist feels. I hope you know that. Um, I wanted so badly to just, like, connect with somebody. I didn't have very, very many friends. Mm-hmm. Nina and I weren't really friends at this point. We were... No. This is right before we became friends. Right before Fab Five. Yeah. Um, but I would watch their lives every night. And I would curl my hair and eat dinner at... If this... If... They're going live at 11.30 Arizona time? Yeah. So this is like 1.30 in the morning. Yeah, no, I would be curling my hair. I'd be, okay, like, redoing stuff in my room. like. Yeah, because your friends were over. No. No, I'm saying your friends were over. Like, oh. you're on a live stream, like... Right, I was like, I don't have friends at my house. No, I'm no. saying, like, these are... You're like... Yeah. That's like a I'm, sleepover I'm, with I'm your friends. I'm that into my... So I... <laughs> I would do that. I would stay up until 4... Five in the morning and then go to sleep and then I could sleep all day and wouldn't have to deal with anything else going on in my life. So I think that's how back then that's how I dealt with my anxiety. Like if I was asleep, I didn't have to go to the store. I didn't have to worry about dying. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also something I've done in my life. Not in this to the same mm-hmm. extent, but like I take naps a lot. Mm-hmm. If you know me, you know, I like to nap. But when my anxiety was in its highest prime time yeah I would just be like uh, I'm gonna go take a nap but that was just like I'm shutting off yeah no I think (sighs) mental health is not a joke but I think people definitely joke about like taking depression naps but it's really a thing that is a thing um I could not get out of bed like my mom would bring me my food and I don't think I think my parents thought of it as like a bratty thing like because obviously I didn't I didn't share that with them be real just went off. Um, <laughs> I, I never, didn't share that with them. Be real went off. I never said, like, I'm struggling here. Please help me. Um, which I should have. 
if you or loved one needs help, please you not, should t- not make them get help because. But talking about it is important. Yeah. And also it's hard, but more people are struggling than you think. Like, that's how I like to think about it. Like, what Abby said, how she's like, oh, I got everything good on the outside, but on the inside, I'm crumbling. Yeah. A lot of people feel that way. And sometimes I'll just, I'm a very, like, open person about it. I think Abby and I are a little bit different. I think I've opened up Abby a lot. Like, like, I feel like the, yeah, but anyways, um, I sometimes will just be like, oh, I'm going through this to someone in a casual conversation and it like will open them up and they'll mm-hmm. be like, oh. So I think like, yeah, you, yeah, that's important. Because sometimes people don't have that person to connect with. And I think a very big thing with mental health and especially my state of mental health back then was nobody else is like this on the inside. So I just need to get over it. I'm just sad. I need to stop acting like that. I need to stop doing this. My parents think I'm a brat because I'm having them bring me my food, but I cannot get out of bed. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Yeah. So, and I don't know. I feel like those are very stereotypical depression symptoms, but like it's so much more than I can't get out of bed. It's like you are glued to that bed. Sorry if you heard my claps. <laughs> Do you have anything else to add? Um, For me, with depression, it's kind of interesting because, like, I don't... I would say that I have struggled with depression, but I wouldn't say that I'm struggling with depression, if that makes sense. Um, In high school, when my anxiety was really bad... You know, this is actually kind of interesting because I'm, like, thinking about it and I don't really know what to say. Um... (laughs) I was experiencing thoughts of self-harm. I I didn't really understand what was happening, but, like, we would talk about suicide in school, like, in our textbooks or whatever. And then for, like, a week, I wouldn't be able to stop thinking about it. And not, like, thinking about taking action, but, like, thinking about, like, what if I get to this point? What if I get to this point? Because I knew that I was like spiraling, but I wasn't like spiraling fast. I was just spiraling. And so then like, it would just all be in my head. And at the point in high school, when this was happening, I was going to therapy and my therapist asked me if I wanted to die And I said no, and I laughed. And she was like, you know, this is the space where you need to be honest. And I was like, no, I don't want to die, but I don't know, like, uh, something's not right. Mm -hmm. I'm tearing up. Um, And at that point, we started talking about depression. And I felt hopeless. Like, I, I, I would say that's what it was for me. And it was like, I felt hopeless that I would never be able to have a normal life again because of the way my anxiety was. Um, And then I kept going to therapy and my anxiety got a lot better and I started having hope. And then my anxiety got bad again. But I had learned that it could get better. So I got that hope. And that's not to say I don't have moments where I will feel hopeless and it will be like a night 
where I feel hopeless. And then the next day I understand that there's hope again. So I feel like that's something I've really been able to like work through, but only because it's really connected to my anxiety and I'm learning how to work through that. So that's my like depression experience. Yeah. To add to that, um, a big thing that I'm working through in therapy right now is healing my inner child. Mm -hmm. And I, do I want to say this? Okay. I can always edit this. Yeah. Um, love my parents. I remember as a kid, which no kid should have this said to them, but they would say things like, why aren't you more like so-and-so's kid? Now, Nina, if your mother looked at you and said, why aren't you more like Abby? Yeah, no, that would absolutely be not okay. Yeah. So, and hi, mom, you would never do that. The mom that can hear. I'm so sorry. Hi, mom. Yes. (laughs) To get that kind of, listen to me, I am struggling. And the only way I knew how to do that as a kid was to lock myself in the bathroom and say, I'm going to kill myself. And then everything would stop and people would be scared and concerned. And I wasn't going to. And then I would yell that and they would tell me that God would be very upset with me if I did that. And so nothing like was ever figured out. It was just paused Mm -hmm. for a moment. So therapy is very helpful Mm -hmm. and discussing that and working through that and healing your inner child because that is also a very important thing to do if you're anything like me or just in general also bluey's really great for that yeah we've we've been watching abby has been watching bluey hey you do it too i do enjoy the show and also i think it's a great I show i talked to my tutoring kid about it i think it's a great show about parenting too mm-hmm. look up bluey if you don't know what it is it's an australian cartoon Airport. for children Airport. <laughs> um, okay. Moving on. OCD. Um, obsessive compulsive disorder. Dun dun. Abby. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Anyways. I um, joke. Yeah. So, OCD. Um, okay. So, I went to therapy in high school, which I kind of, like, just said in a little bit ago. But, um... Which also we're going to talk about therapy. It's just all so intertwined. Uh Um, But when I was going to therapy, um, my emetophobia would exert itself in ways that were linked to OCD and I didn't understand that. And also like phobias can really correlate with OCD and anxiety. So there's just like so much going on. Um, I would have a lot of things that I like, like... I specifically remember a certain t-shirt that I threw up in and I could never wear that t-shirt again because if I wore that t-shirt, I was going to be sick. Um, I would not eat. I would eat the same thing every morning before school. And if I did not eat that thing or I ate something else, it would be all I could think about all day was that I was going to get sick because my stomach wouldn't be able to handle something different. Um, And then I remember, um, if you've watched the show Monk, it's about a guy with OCD who works for the cops and he's like a detective and he notices all the little details and things so he's really good at what he does but 
Um, I watched that. And when my therapist and I talked about OCD, I was like, well, I'm not like monk. Like, that's not how I view the world. And she was like, okay, Nina, like, you're also not like everyone else who has anxiety. Like, everyone is different. And she pulled out the little book, which I forget what it's called. And I should know that because I took a psychology class last semester. But did you pay attention? I did. I actually love that course. But um, she took out the book that has the things to diagnose things. And she read me off a bunch of questions. And I was like, yep, yep. <laughs> and then this she was what like, it looks like. She was like, you know, like, this is OCD. And I was like, oh. And then I realized that I have a lot of experiences where I will see things and this is just my specific experience but like I'll see trash on the ground and in my brain something it this happened a lot in like middle school something would be like if you do not pick up that trash and put it in the trash can you will throw up today and I would be like, this is so stupid. Like, why am I having this thought? And then I would be like, well, I should probably just pick up the trash anyways. And then I would be like, because if I don't pick that up, I'm going to throw up. And then, like, those things would happen all the time in, like, a really, like, if I don't fix this, Mm -hmm. I will throw up. Like, it was all linked to, and I told her that, and I was like, but I think that's just, like, me being silly. Like, I think that's just, like. You're just in the goofy I think I'm just, like, making that happen. And she was like okay, like, let's back up. So that's my experience with OCD. And um, a lot of those things still happen now, but I understand what's happening. So like, when I'm like, no, I don't want to eat a different type of sandwich. I like to eat the same sandwich all the time. I understand like why that's happening. And sometimes I don't choose to change it, but sometimes I do. Um, so for me, dermatillomania, it's a big word. Um, Basically, it's a body-focused repetitive like, behavior. Oh, sorry. I feel like we're, like, teaching two vocab words, emetophobia and dermatillomania. Yeah. Not many people know about dermatillomania or what it is. Um, I've struggled with dermatillomania for a very long time. Nina is currently looking it up as we speak. And for me, it's... You can go ahead and read that. Well, I don't know what the word what that means I don't know. it says um about like two percent of the population has dermatillomania so pretty small so for me I pick up my lips my fingers and my feet and in this case I want to be very specific with how I address it because it's more than picking a hangnail I know a lot of people that I'm like, hey, I have dermatillomania too. Like, mm-hmm. especially because I've been more open with it. They'll be it's, like, oh, I pick the dead skin off my lips too. It's the nobody likes to throw up yeah. equivalent it, kind of. It's, you can pick off the dead skin on your lips and that doesn't mean you have dermatillomania. Mm-hmm. It's when I am sitting and that is all I can do because, sorry, I'm shaking the shake, microphone. Yeah, it's I'm, okay. I'm talking with my hands. <laughs> um, when I am writing my lip paper at senior year of high school and I'm mm-hmm. ripping off the skin on my lips and I send Nina a photo of it because she says it looks like you're in the vampire diaries because there's so much blood on my mouth or when I rip layers upon layers of skin off my feet to the point where I can't walk um and it's gotten to the point where Nina and I are so open about it that sometimes she'll see me picking up my skin and she'll just put my hands down 
But for me, it's really hard to stop when I've already started. And I think mm-hmm. that's a lot of people's experience with dermatillomania. Um, I feel like I don't, I don't experience this. So I don't know if it's true, but like in my mind, I'm thinking of like, if I start to have a panic attack and somebody's like, Hey, just stop. Yeah. Hey, stop. Hey, stop. Yeah. That's not going to work. Like no. I've already, I've already gone in yeah. and I'm, it's, I'm, I gotta, I gotta finish mm-hmm. what I started. And so I feel like that, like yeah. being like, Hey, don't pick at it mm-hmm. is like the same as being like, stop having a panic attack. Don't have a panic attack. Yes. Which I would not recommend saying to someone. Um, <laughs> I also didn't know that this was dermatillomania when I was younger, but I, it's also an anxiety response. I would bite the insides of my cheeks when I was a kid and I still do when I'm nauseous as a like stop you cannot be nauseous right now because it's gonna make you anxious Mm -hmm. um type of response but I would bite and rip the skin off the inside of my cheeks with my teeth um so that's also dermatillomania so it's very interesting and a very it has many levels to it but Mm -hmm. for me it's when I start picking I physically like I cannot stop until it's all smooth. It's all one layer. But obviously, if I've ripped off three layers in one place and only one in the other, mm-hmm. I should not keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I discussed a lot in my first round of therapy. Um, and I didn't know what dermatillomania was. It wasn't an easy thing to be like, this is like the concrete. It mm-hmm. all boils down to this. Um, but again... It looks different. OCD looks different from, for everybody, for Nina. Like, you can- I feel like mine exerts itself more in a, like, uh, like, if I tell someone I'm having this experience, they'll be like, that's OCD. Yeah. Whereas yours, it, like, yeah. Whereas, you know what I mean? I, I also don't have the, like, that. similar, like, food things, but I think that's more my eating disorder than just OCD. Yeah. But for me, it's, like, People are like, oh, you're just picking a little bit of skin off your lips. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's like, mm-hmm. it's all I can think about. Yeah. So it's it's different. I have something to say. Yeah. Um, so when we're talking about these things, like we're saying like it's important to talk about them and we hope that you guys have someone to talk to about them. Um, like everyone has to have their first experience with someone talking to them about like mental health or whatever. And like my parents talked about it, but I like vividly remember, um, if anyone knows who Kian and JC are on YouTube, I was like, I loved Kian Lolly because I thought he was cute and I would watch their YouTube all the time. And, um, in a video he said that he had a fear of throwing up and I remember watching that. And then like, I still watch them to this day because I was like, I'm not alone. And like, I knew, like, I knew that I wasn't the only one to have this ever. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I saw that in a YouTube video, also Laura DIY, if people know who that is, um, she's also said that she has emetophobia. Um, like hearing that from like people I looked up to on YouTube was like, I can talk about this. Like I'm not alone. So hopefully maybe when we're talking about this, it could reach someone who, um, will realize that they're not alone because feeling alone is really scary. Yeah. And for me, going back to that seventh, eighth grade Mm -hmm. time, I am so happy that you had those experiences 
I didn't have those. Mm-hmm. And I distinctly remember, I, okay, actually, I don't distinctly remember this. You distinctly remember this. You just tell me about it all the time. Um, that phone call that we had and you said, are you suicidal? Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't remember the conversation, so I don't remember what I said. But it's... I don't really remember what, like, prompted. I think yeah. I kind of blocked it out, too. But I do remember asking you that. Mm-hmm. And I remember... And that's a hard yeah, question to even answer. And it's... You are not alone in those thoughts. Mm-hmm. You are not the only person that has those thoughts. Mm-hmm. To the crowd out there, I'm not just looking at you. Um, so I think even just having one person see that in somebody mm-hmm. and be like, hey, are you doing okay? Is really important. It's not just a like, how are you today? It's the not how are you, but how are you really? Yeah. Like, you you need to have people who you can ask how they are and it's not just the I'm good yeah it's the I'm really not okay yeah because sometimes you're not okay mm-hmm. and it's okay to not be okay um well Nina's now zooming in on Edie again so it's the next thing on our list is this where I take over <laughs> um I have things to say but you okay. can talk um hi me again um, I don't think we're going to get through with this whole list. I think we have to stop at therapy and then we're well, doing, we're doing a mental health marathon here. On, on yeah. We plan to post a couple episodes about it, but I think we should just keep talking until yeah. we feel like stopping. This can be a little longer of an episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's again, go back to seventh and eighth grade to when also, oh shoot. <laughs> um, I, want to stress this so heavily because this is the main thing that I'm working on in my mental health journey right now. You are not alone if anything that we have said or will say is triggering. Do yourself a service and go ahead and click off because Mm -hmm. you don't need to sit. Sometimes it's okay to sit through things that trigger you, but it's just a podcast. It's not that deep. Yeah. Also, I know a lot of people who listen to this know us. Yeah. If you know us, come talk to us. Yeah. If you don't know us, I hope there is someone you can talk to. Mm-hmm. If there's no one you can talk to, you can always DM us on Instagram yeah. because... We'll be your best friends. We're just two people who are willing to talk to you. Yeah. So talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. I want to stress this so much, though, that the comparison game is a really toxic one. And... Eating disorders are not something to be taken lightly, and it's not a joke. Like, a lot of media, I feel like... Something that I've talked about a lot in therapy is why are bodies a trend? Mm-hmm. We have clothing trends. Why do we have body shape trends? Why mm-hmm. was it okay to be stick skinny, and now we want curvier women, and now we're going back to... Mm-hmm. But like, have you seen the articles that are like saying like um who's the hadid bella the one who got spray painted uh-huh. <laughs> it was like oh this is in curvy's out yeah like like why is it well, it like i'm shaking right now but going to my seventh grade time 
And honestly, before then, I grew up in a household where it was very much so, let's try the new dieting thing. Let's eat healthy. Um, So in my household, herbal life shakes are the thing that's in. But before that, it was body by VI, I think, was the pyramid scheme. (laughs) Um, And it was basically meal replacement shakes, and that's been my whole, not my whole experience, but a lot of my disordered eating habits come from witnessing measurements and before and after photos being taken and thinking that I always needed to shrink to make people love me and to have the attention that I thought I deserved. And for me, when I saw that stupid little yellow measuring tape, And I wish I could say I only did this once, but I went into the bathroom and I made sure I was the lightest that I could physically be. And this also is like, this could be an OCD thing, like making sure that I have every single variable that I possibly can control under my belt to feel prepared for something. Um, So I made sure I was the lightest I could be and I stepped on that scale and I would write it down in my notes or write it down in a notebook and take measurements of even my ankles Why do I think that any form of exercise as, how old was I, 12 or 13, like, why did I need to shrink my ankles? Um, So going back to the MadCon thing, I remember in my basement downstairs, I would have a morning workout and it was three pieces of paper. I would have an afternoon workout and it was three pieces of paper and I would have a nighttime workout and it was three pieces of paper and they were taped in this in my basement and all around the room were like what I took as motivational you can't see MadCon until XYZ you can buy tickets when this and it was all about losing weight shrinking my body I would go run around our cul-de-sac and then come back and eat yogurt for breakfast, and then I would go downstairs and do a workout, and then I would go run, and then I would eat lunch, and then I would tell my mom, hey, I want to be vegetarian, and then I would get sick, and then they would make me stop doing that, and it was all taken as I want to be healthy from the outsider's perspective, Mm -hmm. and that's a really hard thing to grasp, and I'm not saying that everyone that's working out has some sort of eating disorder because that's not true no but working out can be healthy but in the way that I was obsessively doing it and in the way that I wanted to see results in my body at 12 and 13 years old Mm -hmm. was not good and no one ever stopped me I talked to my aunt about it I talked to my mom about it and they were both so proud and I was like wow somebody is proud of me and this must be okay. And then I, let's fast forward to my freshman year of high school. Um, the words that you say to people have a really big effect on them. And I've talked about this in therapy. And hi, if you listen to our Love Life episode, that ex-boyfriend, this is who I'm talking about. Um, I went to our snowball dance with him and his friend and his friend's girlfriend and all I ordered was a water 
And that's when the Abby is anorexic jokes started. And I remember being scared to eat around them. And that's why I did that. But then it felt good to have that attention. Like they're all talking about me and I didn't have people that talked about me. So even if it was something that I didn't want myself to be labeled with, I went with it. And that was at the time where I would eat a bag of chips at lunch and a granola bar or two before guard practice. And looking at photos from back then is scary. And, um, yeah, I think that's all get into for that time of my life but now Mm -hmm. it's been almost a year I think I've just passed one year of being diagnosed with anorexia officially um and that was a really hard thing to hear um and every time I went to therapy I would have to get a weight check and it just irked me not knowing that number and knowing that hearing like I just want to speak through my thought process and this is a toxic mentality but I'm going to talk through it and explain it like I for so long in my life had googled what is the healthy weight range for female this age this height and so I knew that and I knew that I could still be on the lower end of that weight range And still be considered healthy. So that was what my goal and aspiration was. And then the TV show Pam and Tommy came out. And, you know, that actress did a thousand crunches every day to look like Pamela Anderson. And I was like, well, if she can do it, then I can do it. And that was not a good time in my life. And I have since been still going to therapy. And I've worked with fantastic people that are registered dietitian and nutritionists and they've given me the help that I need and it's really really hard when I am almost 20 years old and I have been dealing with these thoughts since I was about 12 to change that mindset and understand that if my eating disorder goes away I am still my own person I do not need a my eating disorder attached to my name. I do not need Abby's anorexic every time I think of myself. And that's really difficult. So I am nowhere near done with my eating disorder journey. I'm hoping to get better. Mm-hmm. That is where I'm at. I have two things to say. Yep. One of which is um, you said that... Um, like losing, like saying, feel, uh, not having an eating disorder anymore mm-hmm. or getting better, like means like it feels like you're losing a part of you. Yeah. Um, that's how when I started going to therapy, well, no, not when I started, like a year in, um, I like stopped exhibiting symptoms like almost completely. And it felt like I lost like a part of me that people loved, which I know sounds really, no, it doesn't sound stupid. I was going to invalidate myself. Um, it doesn't sound stupid because people think that, um, I thought not that like it was a way people gave me attention Mm -hmm. and only 
it it wasn't good attention. It was I would be having a panic attack and people would care for me. But I was like, if I don't have these things anymore, then people aren't going to care for me that way anymore. And then it came back and I was like, well, shoot, I didn't want this back. Um, but I would agree that like I've had those experiences in terms of emetophobia. Mm-hmm. Also, eating disorders are kind of hard for me to talk about, which is interesting. Like, when I think about it, I'm going to cry. <laughs> Crying's okay. Um, I don't know why it's hard for me to talk about. I don't have an eating disorder. I haven't had an eating disorder. Um, but, like, I think body image is a conversation that we're going to have a later date. And um, I don't have much to say on eating disorders because I haven't had one. But I have a lot to say on body image. So I guess I can just leave it at that because we don't have time to talk about body image today. But um, I'll probably cry when we talk about that. So there's that. Get ready for it. (laughs) Next is therapy. We've We've moved on from... Sorry, I just like yelled. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We've (laughs) We've moved on from the things we're dealing with to how we're dealing with them. I, Can we get the boo? This is going to be a longer episode. Yeah. But Grab I, your popcorn. We can't just stop now. No. Because <laughs> Oh, God, no, we can't. <laughs> so, we're, here's, a, here's a preview of where we're going in this episode. We're Can going we? to the current time. <laughs> we're going to therapy. <laughs> we're going... I'm going a mile down the street. Yeah, she goes to therapy here at school. We're, we're going to talk about therapy. We're going to talk about medication. We're going to talk about some of our coping strategies. And that is what we're going to end with. So we're going to just talk about how we're dealing with these things because there are ways. And there's a lot of things that we're dealing with. Yeah. <laughs> like All are intertwined. I was going to say this at the beginning of the episode because you were talking about wiring your brain. Uh-huh. Um, and this aligns with my therapy journey I am gonna fully cut you off here um my first therapist what do you mean you're gonna cut me off because I thought I was gonna let you talk because I just talked for oh no uh, it's okay hours um my first hours (laughs) well we have been recording for 62 minutes um my first therapist we did um narrative therapy Mm -hmm. and so I basically sat down in her little office and said Everything that ever happened to me in my life, ever, and everything that I felt was so terrible about my life, and just kept talking and talking and talking, and then every time I would exhibit emotion, we would stop, pause, and subscribe. No, we would pause and talk the about it. The real ones know where that's from. Yeah. We would pause and talk about it, and it got to the point where, I have said this to so many people, it got to the point where I felt like... I was reading a script Mm -hmm. and retelling a movie that I had seen because it did not feel like my life anymore. And I was so disassociated from it, which is great for some people. And that I would say is a very like PTSD response to therapy. Um, We forgot to include that, but I don't really want to get into that. There's, (laughs) there's two types that I experienced, but hello child abuse and sexual abuse Nina. we can leave that in anyways 
I don't know how to react to you laughing, but we'll move on. <laughs> we'll talk about that. <laughs> Anyways, um, LOL. I have not said that to a lot of people, so have fun in progress, listeners. You just get to... We can cut things out if you want. No, I think this is funny. Abby. <laughs> Sorry, it's not funny. No. Am I yelling? <laughs> you probably are yelling. And also, I think you should give a... I Can I say something? Yes. I'm going to talk about Abby. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, let's just talk about this before you continue. Yep. Self-deprecating humor is a thing that I would say most of our generation does. I do it yeah. all the time. Uh. Um. <laughs> But also, like, joking about trauma is a thing that a lot of people do as well. And I do it, but also... I do it out of pocket. But also, that's a coping strategy. Not a good one. It's not a good one. Um, I should play this for my therapist. But... (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) But what if she fires me as your friend? What if I'm not approaching things the right way? I'm going to have a breakdown. Anyways, joking about things, it's... It can... It's there. It seems like it's helpful in the moment. It's like, haha. But, like, I would say for Abby, if you guys don't know her, or even if you do, because we don't get this deep with a lot of people, um, Abby jokes about these things. She is working through them. Mm -hmm. So her, like, laughing, like, she's going to therapy and talking about these things. Also, it's an uncomfortable laugh, too. Yeah, it's like a... (laughs) LOL. Yeah. Um, but I want like people to know who are listening and don't see us right now and see the legs shaking and the hands sweating and a few tears that mm-hmm. these things are serious. Both of us take them seriously. Yeah. And they are our own experiences. Yeah. And sometimes people joke about their experiences to try to get through them. But that doesn't mean they're joking about yours. Yes. And also we take them seriously. So take everything I just said with a grain of salt. Not everything. I need to stop talking. <laughs> no, no, literally talking. fire me from I'm the podcast. I'm not trying to. I wasn't trying no. to. I just want like, because not everyone's in this room with us. Yeah. They can't see what's happening. Yeah. Anyways. Um, what was I talking about? You were talking about narrative therapy and getting desensitized like you're watching a movie. Yeah, that did nothing. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> oh, stress hormones. Sorry. <laughs> Keep going. Stress hormones. Um... I have learned in that round of therapy that for me as a child, my life was filled with so many stressors that my level of, like my threshold of stress hormones, the baseline was what it looked like for a child that was overwhelmed with stress. So for me, imagine just like my relax like, Right now, she looks like she's tanning on a beach. Is this how you tan on a beach? Yeah, that's what I thought that you meant. Oh, I don't know. Just, like, relaxed? Yeah, it looks like she's, like... There's, like, so... Like, she's slumped so, into the bed. There's so many Relax. things happening in my brain that when I have... When I am anxious or when I am actually stressed, it is through the roof. Mm-hmm. I just <laughs> Knocks the over the microphone. <laughs> but I think... Sorry, I keep hitting you guys. <laughs> keep going. That's all I have to say. I have That's all you have to say about therapy? No, 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 no. 
I do you want oh i have an idea what? you gave your first experience with therapy i'll give my first experience with therapy you give your second experience with therapy i'll give my second experience with therapy i thought that's what you're doing oh right oh right so my first experience with therapy honestly i don't even remember when i went i think like sophomore year to junior year of high school maybe sometimes in senior year and i went once last year to this therapist my first experience with therapy um I, it was about the emetophobia. That's why I went, um, gosh, I'm trying to get back there. Well, okay. I had like seen people before, like talked to people from, um, the church and things about what I was going through, but this was my first experience with a therapist and, um, it was a good one. It was a really good one. Um, because I have emetophobia, um, we did exposure therapy which is basically exposing yourself to the thing that frightens you. Um, so it was like in steps I would have to, we started with just saying words that correlate to throw up, which I'm not going to say, cause I don't feel like saying them right now, but, um, I had to say those and then I had to read stories about them and then I had to hear sounds and then I had to watch videos without sound and then I had to put it all together and watch videos and it was really scary. Um, didn't you have to like touch slime and stuff too when you were like hearing that? No, that was the thing that she asked about like would this be helpful for you and for me I was like no because I love sensory things and I know it's not real see I would kick and scream and cry yeah I I, like if it's if it was just on in the on the floor and I walked in and I didn't know it wasn't real that would freak me out if I know it's not real it's not gonna freak me out um so that was really hard and scary and it honestly was a really weird thing that happened where all of a sudden I wouldn't cry when I watched it anymore. And, um, like now my anxiety is actually probably worse than it, it, no, it definitely is. Then when I like was stopping exposure therapy because I just was exposing myself to it more often. So it freaked me out less. So now, yeah, that's interesting, but also I want to add a tidbit here. Okay. I understand that on the inside, you are still feeling like, I am freaking out, this is not an okay situation, this is not Mm -hmm. safe, blah, 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 but you have gotten very good, and you've improved, like, I've been your friend for so long, and I remember pulling up to your house and you screaming at me (laughs) to leave your house because you did not want to get in the car with me. No. And so- Because I thought I was going to throw up. Yeah. I have seen the growth. So you're saying, I understand that I'm not you and I'm not understanding. No. And I have clarification, but continue happening in your body. But like the fact that you can put yourself in those situations and sit through the anxious feeling, even though you feel like you're falling apart on the inside, you're still pushing through it. And Mm -hmm. I'm proud of you for that. Um, I would say like my anxiety is worse than it was at the end of the exposure therapy, but it is leagues better than it was at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So it was before I had started that, that I was doing those types of things. I was kicking and screaming. I was not okay. Um, And yeah, so yeah. Um, The other thing I did in that first round of therapy, it was kind of a lot because it was probably like, over a year, and then I did go back last year, um, because I was struggling, um, I also did EMDR, 
which honestly, I had to look up what that stands for because I didn't really understand it when I was doing it. It's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy. Um, the internet says it's a mental health treatment technique. Yes, I did it. Um, it's often used for PTSD. Um, it says um, moving your eyes in a specific way while helping you process traumatic memories. Um I don't really, I don't have a lot to say on it because I didn't really understand it when I was doing it. And I also was very skeptical because it didn't make sense to me. Like it makes sense to me that exposure therapy should work in theory. Um, this didn't really make sense to me, but, um, basically it's like, I I don't want to even try to explain it because I didn't understand it, but I would have to do EMDR. I would hold little things um, that like vibrated in my hands that would like vibrate one hand, vibrate the other hand, or like tap my legs and like these types of things. Um, so I was using my brain while I was imagining scenarios that made me anxious or past traumatic experiences with throw up um, and those types of things. That's also a thing that I did. I don't really know if it worked. But yeah, so that was my first experience with therapy. Um, I stopped going because I did feel like I was a lot better. And then last year I went once because I needed someone to talk to and she knew me. Um, But therapy is really expensive. So that leads into my second experience, which was here at Ball State because we can get free therapy at Ball State. Abby. Yeah. And I think talking about the cost of therapy is another thing. And another reason why people don't get the help that they deserve, it is ridiculously expensive. I don't know about other countries, but in the United States, therapy is expensive. So I had only gone to my first therapist a few times and stopped. I had talked with my doctor and she was like, you are experiencing disordered eating and... Like, these were the first conversations that I've ever had with a medical professional that I was like, this is not okay. So she wanted me to go to a therapist that is, like, within our provider. And I was like, it is too much money. I was like, probably, it's probably, like, $300 a session. Yeah. Because our insurance wouldn't cover it. $300 per session every other week for an hour. Um, and so that leads me to Ball State. I had gotten in a car accident May before coming here, so four or five months before coming to Ball State, and it was a pretty bad car accident, and I couldn't even ride in the back seat of a car without having to think through, I'm going to sit in the back middle because if we get Mm T-boned, I will be in the least amount of hurt, or this was in the height of COVID, I would put a face mask over my eyeballs to not have to see Mm -hmm. what was happening. Um, And if I've ridden in cars with you, I don't know, like if you have anything else to add on how much I struggled with getting in the car. No, I like the way that she was struggling was not, um, Oh, I got in a car accident and I'm a little bit scared right now. It was full body exhibiting anxiety and, like, it was constant thoughts of, we are going to get in a car accident. Yes. It, it wasn't, like, it wasn't a little bit. It was yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, so then I kicked my butt into therapy. And we talked through all that car stuff. 
for a really long time. And then I was prescribed medication, which we will also talk about. But um, that was through my doctor. And then we started talking about more childhood things, past traumas, if you will. And then second semester really put into full gear. I am back into working out too much. I am back into eating one meal a day and considering a Starbucks bagel my second meal. And when Nina and another friend leave campus and leave me alone, I do not eat until one in the morning. Um, That kind of thing, which is literally the worst feeling that I have ever been through because it's admitting that something that is wrong and then trying to change that something that is wrong when you do not want to let go of it is so mm-hmm. hard. But it got to the point where in this round of therapy, I had to log every single thing that I was eating when I ate them, who I ate them with, if I felt guilty or not, um, how much anxiety I had, if I ate it all, um, where I ate it. Um, And that was really hard because I, again, very disordered eating mindset, did not want to admit to myself that I even ate anything. So seeing it all written down was really hard. So... I didn't want to do it and I didn't know how to tell my therapist no because in my mind he is there to help me Mm -hmm. and the tools that he is giving me and the things that he's telling me to do are for my benefit I should do them and it was really hard for me to verbalize especially because he was a male therapist and I am a female like it was just very hard Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to say that men don't deal with body image because they definitely do but, but it's, it's in a different, different way, yeah. Um, so that was difficult. And so it got to the point where I was like, I do not want to do this. And he was like, I'm going to challenge you and you need to eat X, Y, and Z for breakfast. And I was like, I cannot do that. And he was like, you're going to. And it was it was just a back and forth of I don't want to do that and you are going to. And not in a... Keep talking. Not in a... Um, I don't know. Like, not in a forceful way, but like... This is what is going to be good for you, so keep doing it, but I just didn't want to, so then in turn it wasn't good for me, so then I ended up ghosting him, which I wouldn't recommend doing that, but I did, so there's not much closure there. Um, Sorry, that's just bad. <laughs> Yeah. That's my second round of therapy. Okay. Um... My second round of therapy... How many... Are you at... Are you at three? This is my third. Yeah, that's cute. I also have hit three, but I'm not currently in therapy. But anyways, second therapist. Oh, gosh. So this person Can I say what I call him and we can bleep it? Please? No. Okay. It has a bad word in it because Abby's angry that I've had this experience, which I am also. So this is at... Ball State, um, some of the, most of the therapists are doctoral interns. Mm-hmm. That's the right word, right? Yeah. Um, so they're learning. Um, the type of therapy that they put me in was definitely one that 
didn't understand what a metaphobia was and how serious it was. Um, and there were a lot of things said to me that weren't okay. Mm-hmm. Um, if these things are said to you, it's not okay. Nobody should say that to you. Um, I was told to think about how other people have it worse than me. That's absolutely not okay for anyone to say to you. Um, I was told to try taking walks, which walks are great and walks actually do really help getting some fresh air. But in the severity of what I was feeling, a walk was not the answer that I needed. And it actually just really made me frustrated. I was also told that um, there were ways for me to get accommodation so that if I was too anxious, I didn't have to go to class. And for me, I knew enough about myself to know that if I was given that, I would revert to my old ways and I would stop living my life. I would just... I would have to pull her out of her bed. Yeah, no, I would not leave my room if I didn't have to. Um, I needed someone to help me do the things and he was trying to figure out ways to help me not do the things um and that was really not helpful and I also didn't know how to say no and after every time I would shut my computer and I would start crying and I would be like no 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 I absolutely knew that the answer was no but I didn't know how to say it in the moment so what I wanted to say when you were talking and also for my experience is therapists are people we are people Um, sometimes that's a great thing because we're both people and we can talk about being people and how it's hard to be a person, but also therapists are people. And sometimes what the therapist may say may not sit with you well, and it may not actually work for you. Um, it's okay to switch therapists. It's okay to tell your therapist. No, it's okay to not like your therapist. Um, all of those things are okay. So I didn't like him and I stopped going to him and that was not a great experience. But also notice how I had a great experience with therapy and I had a not great experience with therapy. Therapy really helped me and then the second therapy didn't help me. It actually made me feel worse in moments. So if you're going to therapy for the first time and it really sucks. It gets better. (laughs) Sometimes therapy sucks because it's helpful. Mm -hmm. Sometimes... You just need to try someone new. So, there's that. Yeah, um, something I wanted to say when you were talking is, if it was easy, like, if it weren't hard, it's not helping. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's tough stuff, so it's yeah. going to be tough work. Yeah. You got to put the work in. Yes. To get the results. Um, so, as we've said, I'm currently on... Nina, stop flexing. <laughs> Um, I am currently on my third therapist. I am again here at Ball State and I adore my therapist this term. Um, hopefully she is here next year because I love her. Um, and she makes me feel comfortable. I, I walk into her room and I sit on her couch with her little pillow and blanket and I'm next to the M&Ms and it's not a like intimidating thing. She lets me talk and we have gone over that in our sense of therapy that we are trying to work towards doing a blind wait every time just made me more anxious last time. Last time I would pick out the smallest tank top I own, even though I know that one inch of fabric is not going to add any more weight to the scale. 
and the lightest biker shorts I own. And I would sit in the waiting room so anxious because I knew that he would look at that number. And I told that to her and I was honest with my therapist, which is the biggest advice that I have is be honest with the person that you're talking to. Because if you're paying on that much, you might as well be honest and then they can help you. But she was like, it's just, it's going to make you more anxious and it's going to make you shut off. And I'm, I'm glad that somebody saw that in me before I even had to say anything about it. Um, so that's a no in our round of therapy. Nina, stop touching me with your toes. I didn't know this were your toes. <laughs> um, so that's where I'm at right now. And we've talked a lot about my eating disorder, but my last session especially was more about my childhood stuff. And we didn't, in my last round of therapy, didn't really get into that too much because I was like, oh, I've already done that. I thought I was numb to it. Whereas I have learned I am not. And the comparison game was played a lot when I was a kid. And so I think I've just always wanted my voice to be heard and my own, being my own person. And I feel like I've found a therapist that sees that in me and she will let me just keep talking. And then when she sees that emotion come up, she, we really work through it and it's beautiful. Um, but I also love, we end every session, she does not assume that it's working for me. Like, even though she can see that it's obviously, like, something is happening in my brain, the gears are turning. She always says, how was this session? Do you want to meet with me again? Because I want to meet with you again. That seems like a space where saying no is more comfortable. Yeah. Mm, that's nice. So I, I love my therapist this year. But nice. I've only seen her two or three times, so I can't really say too, too much, but it's a work in progress. Cute. <laughs> My third therapist um, was actually last, uh, not semester, last year, so um, yeah, and I only met with her once, so it's kind of a short thing. I don't know why I'm ha having to think about it so much. Um, I went once, I wanted to try another therapist about my emetophobia, and when I went, it was weird because I gave my whole spiel about my life, about emetophobia, and we talked about it a little, and then she dropped that sh this was her last session at Ball State, and she would not be giving sessions anymore, and I was like, well, why did I just tell you all this stuff, and so then um, we also talked about body image a little because... I was like, I want to talk about this. And then she was like, is there anything else you want to talk about? And I was like, well, I'm never going to see you again. So then I got up and left. Um, <laughs> I was a little angry. Um, so that's my third experience with therapy. Um, and I'm not currently in it. But, oh, wait, <laughs> I did go to another therapy session. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot, too. Yep. Um, I went to a therapy session last semester right before we left to kind of talk about what my options would be this semester. And um, that was insanely good. Like the way he talked, I was like, wow. Um, but he's just the person you go to to match you with someone. He like oversees the doctoral interns and stuff. Um, but he talked about how group therapy could be really helpful for me. So that could be something I look into. Um, Stay tuned. <laughs> Okay. Um, we have medication and coping to talk about. We're almost done with this episode, guys. Keep listening. I know it's long, but you know, you could pause and come back. Yeah. Grab a snack. Well, you and probably should have grabbed the snack like 45 well, minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Um, these go hand in hand. We are both on the same medication. Yeah. Escitalopram. Yep. Lexapro. People call it Lexapro. 20 milligrams. Um, as I said, why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> I was thinking. Oh. Because as, there's more to say than just we're on medication. Yeah. No, as I've stated, I, I think I was medicated February of last year. So, Nina, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we're recording this. It's 11.07. It's 11.08, actually. Uh, at yeah, night. The alarm clock is a minute by. I'm getting I'm sleepy it. crazy. Okay, go. Oh, I can't see. Um, I was put on escitalopram. Uh, I started on 10 milligrams last February. And I was up to 20 over the summer. Love it. Sometimes I forget to take it and then I become not me. That's not true. Um, I become a lot more anxious. Yeah, which is... This is something that needs to It's a thing because, um, like, Abby went through a short period where she wasn't taking her medication. Yeah. And um, before that, we had been talking about, um, like, if it was working or not. Which yeah. is really hard on medicine to know if it's working because mm-hmm. it's not, like... Wow, everything is I so happy. I feel so happy because no, also it doesn't like, it's, it's not this magical little white capsule that no. makes everything sunshine no. and rainbows. It doesn't like, like turn on a light switch. Bebs, I still struggle with seasonal depression. Yeah. So, but then when she stopped taking it, it was like, oh. I, I will also say I was also on an antibiotic because I had a really bad sinus infection. So I was blaming all of the, Nina's looking at me like I'm. Okay, yeah, Nina and I have gotten into quite a few arguments about this. It's not an argument. I care about Abby, and I knew that her not taking her medicine was bad. Was not a good thing for her. Yes. So I was frustrated with her, and I pushed for her to set that alarm to take it every night. Yep. It is out of love. Yes. Um, but I was taking an antibiotic, and so I thought all of the Disneyists, the nausea, 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 nausea. That just reminds me of Bill Nye. Inertia. <laughs> Isn't it he canceled? Keep no, talking. He just said he lit the world on fire. He didn't light the world on fire. We did. <laughs> That's all he said. Um, but I blamed all of the side effects on the doxycycline that I was taking when in we fact... Also, when I, I think Abby was kind of reaching because when yeah. I took that, I was allergic to it. Yep. <laughs> so I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. Because I felt like I was going to. I felt to. like I was going to die because also I wasn't on my antidepressants. Yeah. Things were crumbling. Oh my goodness. We're, we're over an hour and a half, guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah. Take it consistently if you're on medication because. Y- yeah. Take it from me. You should not miss a night. If you are taking it and you want it to work, you got to take it. Yeah. Um, I've been on Escitalopram, Lexapro since sophomore year of high school. And I'm now a sophomore in college, so I'm a seasoned veteran. <laughs> um, I got on medicine because that was the point in my life where the kicking and screaming was happening. And um, at points I felt like I just needed a straight jacket. Isn't that what it's called? Oh my god, yeah. No, like... No, I know. Why are you laughing? I'm, I'm so sorry. It's so late. <laughs> um, at points I thought I felt like I just needed that. So instead, because that would be weird. No, it wouldn't. Yeah, it would. <laughs> I'm trying to not. Anyways, um, 
so I got on the medicine and I started on five. I went up to 10. And then when I started experiencing the darker thoughts, um, we kicked it up to 20 because there was a lot going on. And then I have been on that ever since. And I do notice that it helps a lot. And also my family noticed and yeah. So medication is a thing. Don't be afraid of it. Um, I was scared of it for a really long time. Yeah. It is not gonna take away your sparkle. Don't. Abby even. still has all of her sparkles. <laughs> um, I just sent you guys sparkles. Okay. One more thing to talk about. And strategies. Yeah. This will, we just um, did a little clap, double high five. Um, this will be quick, but I want to say there are healthy coping strategies. There are unhealthy coping strategies yep. and both of them help. I put that in air quotes. You just couldn't see them. You couldn't see them, but they were there. Um, <laughs> for me, my biggest and uh, most common coping strategy is to avoid so that's why I would just avoid any situation where throwing up could be a thing. I wouldn't go anywhere. Um, <laughs> no, really. And I, I thought escaping, that's what I did. And it made things better in the moment because I would stop feeling anxious if I went to my bedroom. Um, and so then when I got in my first therapy, not session, but my first experience with therapy, <laughs> when I got in my first experience with therapy, I w learned that this was my only way to cope and it was unhealthy and I had to learn other coping strategies. Um, those coping strategies ended up being having a water bottle with me, having my AirPods with me, chewing mm -hmm. gum. And then um, my therapist She's and like, I no. together learned that for my OCD, having those things, those physical things... Abby, you need to stop being silly. Sorry, no, I just have something to say. Say about, it. No, 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 no. Okay. Don't keep, say keep it. Keep talking. I'll, ha I'll say it after. Having those physical things, the AirPods, the water bottle, to make things better, in air quotes, um, were actually making me never sit through the anxiety and try to figure it out, but instead I was just still avoiding it, just in a much smaller way. Um, so now... I don't let myself have those things. I try to be really good about it. Sometimes I still do. Um, yeah. What did you want to say? Um, hi. Me again. I cope with humor. If you've made it through this whole podcast, you know that. Um, another way I cope. I was going to say used to. I still do this. Um, I used to take Tums. I do not recommend this. Before going anywhere, I was so scared. I'm sorry. She's not crying. She's laughing, by the way. Stop. I was so scared that my stomach would start hurting and then I would have to like... Another big thing is I think people hate me all the time. So I was scared that like if I had to leave the sleepover, people would hate me. So then I would take three Tums, two ibuprofen, chew gum, and bring a Gatorade, which don't do that. No. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Don't. I, I'm medicated now. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. Also, like, yeah. Oh, what I was going to say is I slept with a piece of gum in my mouth last night because <laughs> I didn't feel good. We're, I woke up at noon and I went. <laughs> <laughs> We're working on it. Um, and for some people, those things are good. For me, it was good until it wasn't. You just gotta, you gotta. Most of mine aren't great, but you're working on it. Yeah, no, they're like, for a lot of people, they are like, no, I know how to cope, but everything, everything, everything that they're, oh, I can't say that. A lot of things that they're doing are actually not like long-term helpful. They're just short-term helpful. Like it is in the moment I can laugh about it, but then like, I'm going to sit in my bed and be like, was that really funny? (laughs) Or like, do I have to, do I have to work through something? I think I'm going to play this for my therapist. Um, so yeah, that's definitely the humor thing is definitely a big one. And no way, no. Okay, right. Um, <laughs> there is so much more to talk about on mental health, but again, mental health marathon. Yeah, it is in progress. No, we're gonna do a lot of episodes on this because it's a big thing. It's important. We might have our first guest. Yeah. If she's okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. We do want to have guests for a multitude of things, but um. Mm-hmm. Catch us next week for something interesting. Catch me outside. (laughs) How about that? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. In a serious note. Mm -hmm. This is is a serious topic. Mm -hmm. We're laughing, but we're also two best friends in a room who have these deep discussions all of the time. Yeah. And, um... Literally? Almost exactly a week ago, I was sitting at my desk having a panic attack, and I just looked at Nina, and Nina said... You're going to break your eardrums if you keep playing your music. <laughs> she was, she had her AirPods in and they were blaring so loud. And I was like, okay, like, like let's take we, those out. We talk about this a lot. That's yeah. That's why we're laughing about it. Yeah. And also like, yeah, we love each other and we're working on it together and also on our own. Um, so that is why it seems a little bit lighter when we're talking about it. Yeah. Um, but it's serious. Um, it's okay if it doesn't sound or feel like this when you're discussing it with someone else either. Yeah. And it's also okay if you don't relate to any of these experiences yeah. and you have your own. Or if you relate to all of these experiences. Anything hey, girly. is okay. Your feelings are really, really, really valid. Yeah. Um, if you are a loved one are seeking help, again... Help is available, and the suicide hotline in the United States is 988. Yeah, and there's also a lot of resources online to help you about mental health, Mm -hmm. and therapists are great. Yeah. They are an option. They're expensive, but there are ways. um, If you go to college, there are probably Mm -hmm. therapists that you can get at your university. Um, You can also work with your insurance. Mm -hmm. There are so many different places that do therapy. I would recommend looking it up if you're interested. Also, medication. Medication is a thing that you should also not be scared of. A lot of people, it frightens them, but um, it can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. It can also, it can take you a few tries to find a medication that works. That's okay, too. Um, Everyone's experience is different, and I think that we really want to emphasize that and these are just our experiences, but um, we want to share them because, again, sometimes, like, this might be your first, oh my gosh, maybe, like, this is, this is what I've been looking for. These people are putting it into words because mm-hmm. I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. So if this is that for you, I'm so happy that you're here. And yes. we want you here. So again, yeah. 988 is the number. 
We love you guys. We also appreciate you listening to this episode, especially Mm -hmm. as it is a more serious one. Um, There will be funny episodes in the future. There will be more serious episodes in the future. You can expect that from us because we're not just here to say that life is sunshine and rainbows. Because life is in progress and... Our mental health is in In progress. progress. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's all we have for today. Bye. Love you.